0: Guys, it's Bridget and I'm back with another episode of my best vintage life and today I am super excited because I have a special guest with me that is an art he's going to be so mad and jealous uh, today's guest is Raina Basta she is the founder of born to roam vintage hi Raina
1: hi bridge
0: <laughs> I'm so excited to have you on
1: <laughs> me too your timing is perfect I'm sitting in my new studio space totally uh packed up in boxes haven't even dug in yet.
0: Oh my gosh. Well, I'm, I'm getting to you before all that craziness. You know, once you open a box, you can't stop. You have to keep <laughs> <Exactly. going. laughs> I know it well. So guys, Raina actually, um, She's she's up in Northern California, and um, she has a new little a new little space in her life. She's doing a little moving, so things have been hectic for her. So I appreciate her taking the time to uh, to talk today. So um, I was thinking, just to start, you could tell the listeners a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I am um, a Bay Area native. I'm originally from a tiny town called Glen Ellen, which. Is right next to Sonoma Wine Country Girl, and, and I grew up in Sonoma. I moved to San Francisco at 17. Started school. I originally thought I wanted to study psychology. Both my parents are therapists, so I'm either the most level-headed person you know, or <laughs> the craziest person that you know. Um, and but they both live very good lives, and they're both really happy people. So I thought maybe studying. Um, psychology would be the way for me as well. I did uh, two years at SF State and then soon realized that science was not my thing um, and that people's psyches were a lot more complicated than I Mm -hmm. wanted to spend my life trying to pick apart. So I had always had a passion for clothes and being from a small town with no clothing stores, we had several thrift stores and that's really where I spent my time shopping as a little girl, um, picking through racks of old t-shirts, trying to find soft ones. Um, And Mm -hmm. so it was kind of a no-brainer for me um, to study fashion. And I wanted to study design, but as a young girl, I think I lacked the confidence. And so when I looked into programs and I found a fashion marketing program, it kind of seemed... Uh, more practical for me at the time that I could get the business background and that I wouldn't have to be creating new collections. And um, and so I began studying in San Francisco and um, I interned there for several stylists. Actually, my first styling job was working for a woman who was A former Miss America pageant winner, and she (laughs) styled the live Miss America show. So my first fashion show that I ever worked on was broadcast live, and it was, you know, really tall, fake tan girls in swimsuits and um, putting Vaseline on their teeth, and it was really not (laughs) quite the fashion experience that I had imagined. Um, Right. But it was totally a rush, and it kind of got me hooked on this idea of fashion shows and this whole production. And um, so I finished my. De- I was about a quarter away from finishing my degree, and I went to New York City for the first time for my 21st birthday, and um, fell in love with it. Knew I needed to be there. Um, ended up landing an internship with Japanese Vogue, and um, begged my teachers to let me finish early. They let me take an insane amount of classes, and I finished up and was on my way to New York, and. Um yeah, I mean, I was there for about five years. I did everything from editorial to covers to runway to personal styling to e-com and advertising. It really was the craziest five years of my
0: life, that's for sure. Um Well, I mean, that's first off, this is a crazy place to spend your 21st birthday. So it's mean, <laughs> oh, yeah. like so much fun.
1: <laughs> it was, you know, New York, is a big blur. It was lots of late nights and too much drinking and not enough sleeping yeah. and, um, but an incredible place to spend your twenties. Um, absolutely. And, um, yeah, what would you say with...
0: was your, your most uh, memorable experience there? Was it a specific person or company oh. that you worked for?
1: Um, God, there's so many. The, my first photo shoot was, um, we shot Giselle in Vintage Gucci Couture mm. for the cover of Japanese Vogue in Mario oh, Sorrenti's private studio. And so, <laughs> but at this point I didn't even know who, I barely knew who Giselle was. I didn't know who Mario Sorrenti was. It, it wasn't, um, it didn't, it didn't really have the same impact on me that I think it had on girls that like religiously read, uh, fashion magazines right. and they knew the, the Yeah. They knew everything. Yes. And, and I really was you know, a small town girl who just loved fashion and kind of ended up meeting the right people. And um, I think I had this really hardworking personality. No job was too small and um, no hours were too long. And I just kind of went for it. And I think that there was a lot of young girls wanting to work in fashion, but they wanted to wear their heels to work. And I wasn't that girl. So I think I ended up um, getting hired as an assistant for a lot of different jobs because I was totally down to get dirty, and and I didn't need any hand-holding. I just was there to dive in.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody realizes when they want to get into styling how much work it is. It's oh, a hustle. It's a it's long a hustle. You're a sh- you're, it's, the schlup is real, like trunks and trunks of clothing and yep.
1: organizing Organization,
0: and, yes. Oh, yes. yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, but, well, so, I mean, that that all sounds super amazing, and I mean, I don't know if you could beat that experience. That's that's such a great (laughs) combination of people and places, and yeah.
1: Totally. Towards the end of my time in New York, I was realizing that the things I was really drawn to were vintage pieces, whether that was vintage ball gowns for galas and red carpet events, or rock and roll tees, everything in New York at the time I was living there felt very Patti Smith inspired. I'm sure that's still yeah. what people are shooting, but I'm sure <laughs> that, um, that look really was what we kind of always were recreating. And, um, and so it was kind of this return to what I knew that I always loved, which was these old, beautiful t-shirts and jeans. And I had worked in San Francisco and high end retail. And so denim really was one of my strong suits and uh and so between denim and t-shirts I was always wearing my dad's old t-shirts old Grateful Dead tees and Giants tees and that was really what I would get commented on the most from people which was hilarious to be on an editorial shoot and you've got racks of Marc Jacobs and Mm -hmm. Gucci and Celine and on and on and on and then um the the talent is interested in this old beat up t-shirt that I'm wearing
0: that is Um, interesting that says a lot I think (laughs) (laughs) Totally,
1: totally. Um, And I think there's, I mean, you know, all the magic in vintage, there's something about it that even if you're in front of the most beautiful, handmade, special designer item, the story and the history and the longevity of the vintage piece kind of you can't replicate that.
0: No, you can't. You can't. And um, no, I think that's something really important to to point out. I mean, you had, like you said, you were wearing stuff that belonged to your dad. Okay, well, that was your dad's and there's his story. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's, Absolutely. That's, that's what I love about it. And I know you love that about working with vintage too. So I think that's really, that's really cool. You know, that totally. you had those moments when those people were reacting like you said, they have all these beautiful things around them and they see your shirt and that's what's catching their eye. So Totally.
1: And that's what really working in New York as a stylist, there's so many stylists in New York and nowadays everybody is a stylist in New York. And right. so kind of having this vintage aspect to what I could do and what my style was, I think felt really, I felt really confident about that because I didn't grow up with any money. I didn't grow up in a place where I had access or money to designer things. I didn't know what those things were. So it felt really authentic for me to be able to wear something that, one, I could afford and that, you know, I either got for a couple dollars at a thrift store or that my father had worn for decades. Um, (laughs) And it kind of felt like um, this raw authenticity that just felt really good in a place like New York that everything is really Intimidating and huge.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: And so, and I so I contacted a friend of mine who had an amazing shop in Brooklyn um, called Grand Street Bakery. She's not there anymore. Her and her husband actually are in um, Pittsburgh in Pennsylvania. Nice, oh, nice. And nice. so, and they're big denim heads, and they've got a great vintage eye. So, I worked in her shop uh, for the last couple months. I lived in New York. I had I knew I needed to leave. I knew I wanted to pursue vintage. And I kind of asked her to point me in the right direction of where to find goods and how to curate it and, you know, labels and materials and country of origin and all these different hints to figure out what things were. Cause you're, you know, you're essentially uncovering treasure as you find yeah. things. Um, so I did that for a couple months and then I headed back West and I slowly started gathering vintage pieces and I think it took me 6 months to get enough stuff together that I felt confident to do my first pop-up shop and I did um a pop-up in San Francisco. It was super successful. It was like the most rewarding feeling that this crazy dream I had in New York at my desk wanting to like get out of the concrete jungle actually worked and that I was yeah. back in my home coast and doing what I wanted to do. And, um, originally born to Rome was a mobile store and I have a 1955 vintage Airstream that I turned into a shop.
0: Um, I was was just going to ask, was this first pop-up, were you using the Airstream then or no? No, the Airstream, I was still
1: (laughs) figuring out, okay,
0: I haven't driven a car <laughs> since yeah, it's so long since i was in
1: high school <laughs> and i was young for my grade so there really was only my senior year that i was even old enough to right. drive yeah. um so not only are we talking about buying a car and driving a car after not for i don't even know how long almost a decade and then um and then learning to tow a trailer at the same time oh my god um, so i luckily as life kind of works out um my now future husband um, helped me tow the thing to events and was kind of my, my road dog, if you will. And I mean,
0: that's amazing. Cause I can't imagine doing that, not in like the city or anything like that. Oh my God. No, yeah, <laughs> I would have you know, so much anxiety. <laughs> I don't think I could either. I think that um, at that
1: point coming out of New York, I, ha- I was so competitive with work that, I really wanted to do something different that different. would set me apart.
0: Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I didn't feel
1: like just doing vintage and the curation that I could bring to vintage was enough. I thought that I needed to have this up, like extra wow factor, which for me was this beautiful vintage vessel that everything would be inside of. And how
0: did you, how did you find it? Did you find it like on Craigslist or did you know somebody that was selling it? Cause those are hard, those are hard to find.
1: <laughs> They're very hard to find.
0: So the one I have now, the 1955 flying cloud is
1: actually the second one. I had a 1975 oh. trade wind first and I was visiting my parents. I was with my mom walking her dog in the wine country and telling her this idea I had that I wanted to move back to California, that I wanted to start a vintage company, that I wanted it to be mobile, trying to explain to her what an Airstream was. (laughs) And we walked past her neighbor and they live out in the country. So the neighbors are, you know, quarter mile apart. And, and she says, Oh, like that. And she points funny and there's an Airstream. (laughs) And so I couldn't figure out how you got into the yard where the Airstream was. So, um, I wrote a note or we went back to her house. I wrote a note and said, my parents live in your neighborhood. I'm in the market to buy an Airstream. I saw one walking past your house. Is it for sale? Mm
0: -hmm. And I
1: left the note in their mailbox and they emailed me back. It wasn't for sale, um, but very nice people. And, Mm -hmm. or they, sorry, left my email and they sent me an email. And, um, and then, time goes by, I move back to California, um, I'm I'm collecting vintage, and I get an email from them saying that they were going to sell the Airstream. And if I wanted it, they wanted to give me the first kind of dibs at it. So I went and well, checked it out. Well, you probably
0: got like the ball rolling because I guarantee you one of them was like probably thinking about it. And then like, you know, you're the catalyst. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, and, and
1: then soon I found out that They were both surgeons. They had three horses and three dogs between the two of them. This was their third home. They had more stuff than they could deal with and no time to deal with it. Right. So the Airstream had been purchased by the husband as um, like a man cave Mm -hmm. that he wanted to build it out for like a reading space. And and it had essentially sat there for about five years and nothing had been done. So he... He said, you know, my wife just really wants this out of here. So give me a number and it's yours. Oh, wow. And I offered him a really, really low ball number and he took it. And oh, wow. I'm not a good negotiator by any means, um, but he really wanted to get rid of it. And I didn't really have any money to my name at that point. So it worked out for both of us and yeah. I used that Airstream for, I think, the first event and then realized that it, ha- it was a lot funkier than I thought that it was. And so I ended up finding the 1955 online down in Carpinteria in like Central mm-hmm. California. Yeah. And, and so sold the Tradewind and then upgraded um, to, the, to the Flying Cloud, which is the one I have now.
0: That's yeah, a little bit of a haul, too, to go down there to get the new one. That was probably oh, yeah. a fun ride back. <laughs> it was really fun. Um, my boyfriend and I drove down and stayed
1: with some friends, checked yeah. out the Airstream. It was on this beautiful ranch, tons of cactuses and horses. Oh, and God, it's so good
0: down there. I love it. I love that it, area.
1: Oh. Absolutely gorgeous. Um, <laughs> and then we took the long way home. I think we took the one home. Um, oh, man. Camps on the way. And, um, we parked the thing illegally at the beach. We got woken up by the cops, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was a really good time. And That's such a great story. <laughs> both of them, both of them have good stories. Um, now, sadly, it has become a, a guest house for friends of ours. So, I think, I think um, now that now I have three dogs and a baby, so being mobile isn't really. <laughs> I am cool. anymore? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But, but but I but born to roam. In the time it came to uh, manifestation, it was I was doing styling work and traveling all around the world and um, picking things everywhere that I was, and I was never in the same place really for more than a week or two at a time. So it really was this free roaming lifestyle um, that was incredible for me as it was, and um, right. it's been. Uh, sad in a way to, to grow up and have roots and not be able to be freewheeling as much, but, um, but to see my business kind of evolve into stocking stores and doing events instead, um, of popping up, uh, has been a good transition.
0: Awesome. Um, I was going to ask you, I mean, you kind of answer the question. I was going to ask like, what actually made you choose, um, you know, vintage. So you covered that, but what would you say your aesthetic is in terms of what you sell? Do you have an aesthetic? Obviously I know the yeah. answers to all of these questions, <laughs> um, but the listeners don't. So yeah. what, what would you say your aesthetic is?
1: I would say that everything that I'm truly inspired by is from California subcultures, whether that's Uh, ranch wear and work wear that cowboys and farmers and overalls and great denim to skaters and surfers and this more like coastal t-shirt tube sock lifestyle um, to just sportswear. I love old jerseys and old sweats and, um, you know, champion on and on. Um, So really it's, for me, I mean, I named my daughter California, so I really could not be more infatuated with the place that I'm from. Um, and really the style that has come from here is so diverse. You've got such a diverse eco climate place.
0: Um, We're like our own little country. (laughs) Absolutely. We are (laughs) our own
1: little country for sure. Um, so yeah, really, I mean, sportswear, workwear, that's really where my heart is for sure. Um, denim t-shirts, I, I, own a lot of clothes with background in styling and fashion and, um, and owning a vintage company, but I wear jeans and a t-shirt 99% of the time.
0: Right. Well, I think from, you know, from what I know and from what you sell, I think you have a really smart approach because it's almost kind of like a unisex approach where, um, you know, a lot of the, the, different types of the subcultures that you mentioned can really be worn by men and women. And I think that's nice. And I think that can really appeal to more people, you know what I mean? Versus like being so pigeonholed into one type. Absolutely. I absolutely. Makes sense. I, I, I have always
1: been into unisex. And I think for me, like the idea of, of like the hottest girl in the room is like the girl that's wearing her boyfriend's sweatshirt. And right. I don't know where that came from or why that is so attractive to me, but it's this kind of like confidence that it, that
0: I don't really care. I don't need to show a ton of skin, I'm you not know, sh- or exactly. like, not- I'm just comfortable in my own skin and I'm going to wear whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. Um, what would you say is the, the favorite piece you've ever sourced? It could be something that you sold or something that you still own, either or anything like really interesting or unique or rare.
1: Oh, um,
0: that's such a hard question. <laughs> <I> oh. <know>. Um, <laughs> it could be a few of,
1: if you want. <laughs> one of my favorite things I've ever found. I have two actually. One of them is from Baz, and it's special to me for uh for a specific reason. But um my um, my father's parents' names were Mike Basta and Ida Basta. Mm-hmm. And I found this vintage bomber jacket in Baz in the bottom of a barrel. And it says Mike B on the front and the back in huge letters says Ida. Oh, that's and so, perfect. So it was kind of this school and there's no year on it and i have no idea what it is if that's a school or what it is but just kind of right. um i was But it's very like what are the chances? My, you know. What are the chances? Totally. So i feel like when you find those pieces that feel like they are kind of meant for you to find it feels really special. Absolutely. Um, that was def- that was my favorite baz find and then um da- i think in in, in uh I think it's a Pasadena flea. I found this really great Hawaiian t-shirt that says uh Pakalolo on the front, which is marijuana mm-hmm. in Hawaiian. And then it mm-hmm. has all the land race cannabis strains that came from the islands, which oh, that's um, super cool. Super cool, super unique. I feel like I've seen a lot of vintage in my day, and I'd never seen anything like that. So I thought that was that's
0: really cool. That's in my personal collection. <laughs> Nice. No, those are both those are both really cool finds. Um, let's see what else. Oh, I was going to ask you, and I don't know if you have one in particular, um, but is there a, a specific era that you find yourself drawn to in terms of like the history of fashion or Definitely. multiple eras? The yeah?
1: 70s and the 90s are yeah. my favorites by far. I think
0: those are two good ones. Me. Yeah. I, I agree with you. Those are, well, especially if you're talking about California subcultures. I think those are such important decades for sure in totally. our time here. So yeah, no, I agree with you on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to ask you, do you, would you want to talk a little bit about like the dyes that you were doing, the natural dyes?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I, I mean, um, you'll
0: do a better job explaining it than me, but I just, I think it's so interesting.
1: Totally. I, um, oftentimes when I'm finding vintage things, I find um, things that are slightly stained, that are like a little bit unwearable, or in my opinion, not something I would want to sell because I don't feel super confident with the quality.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so just over the years, I... I buy really quick. I fill a cart. I just kind of get in my zone. So then when I go home and I actually unpack to launder everything, I often find that I get things with stains. So I would kind of just keep things in a pile and it was like my to do pile for later. And, um, and then it grows, (laughs) (laughs) it grows and grows and grows. And I soon, uh, realized that most of this pile was whites and creams. And so, um, I do live in a beautiful lush area. There's a ton of native plants here and I had gotten really into indigo dyeing about three or four years ago and, um, indigo kind of blew up and it became a little bit less desirable to me as soon as I started seeing it everywhere. And, yeah. um, a girlfriend of mine, who's a farmer in town, we got really interested in the idea of doing different natural dying. So eucalyptus is not native to here, but it's super abundant in Sonoma County, Um, rosemary grows everywhere. I feel like you can even walk down the street and rosemary's just growing on like the little sidewalk patches. Mm Um, so we started messing around and doing natural overdyes on vintage creams and whites and things that were slightly stained or, um, things that were kind of boring that could be given a new life. And, um, and so from Baz, I mean, we, I've been buying those, vintage thermals like nobody's business
0: yeah and you made one for me (laughs) and I made one for you (laughs) was mine Um, was mine eucalyptus or rosemary yours is rosemary rosemary yes it's so it's so beautiful I'll post a picture of it it's it's really really good and it's just such a pretty like subtle color you know what I mean like it's just enough to cover the stain and and give something like you said a new life
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And with vintage things, you know, that kind of like sun faded, washed out look is so beautiful and sought after that if you can create that on your own, then and naturally, it just kinda makes, yeah. And naturally, and really it's like as natural as boiling right. down the product and then, or boiling down the plant matter and then removing the plant matter and then throwing the fabric in. So there's no, there's no chemicals involved. It's, the color is, it's color fast, it's not going to bleed. So right. it's a, it's a really, I feel like natural dye and vintage, this idea of like sustainable and new life to things is really kind of i how I feel like I can leave a good impact on the world. Um, kind of doing my piece to not contribute to creating waste and supporting waste.
0: Right. Were there? I feel like you did. You use um, tea of some like, or or was it rooibos? Did you? Rooibos. I don't know how you say that. (laughs) I don't. I think it's rooibos. We'll go with that. Um, You can
1: use. You can really use any black tea or red tea. Um, I had that in my kitchen, so that's what we went for. Um, but no, all pretty much all plants will give you um color. The problem is. Most plants give you kind of a yellowy chlorophyll color, so you mm, can use different yeah. mordants to bring out different colors. Like the rosemary dyes like a light green, but if you throw iron mordant in it, which is essentially like powdered iron, um, mm. it it turns that beautiful kind of like silvery green, like sage gray color. Yes.
0: Yeah. No, it's it's so pretty. I really, I love the one that you made for me and I think it's such a good idea and, you know, just such a nice way to not waste things. I mean, you, you know, I'm sure you've converted so much of your, that to-do pile you had. Now you're able to sell those things. And like you said, feel more confident, like, okay. And I know what you mean about like the confidence thing. It's like, oh, I don't know if I really want to sell
1: totally. this
0: in that state. Like, what does that say about me? You know what I mean? <laughs> Totally. Like people well, are going to be like, what the hell is she thinking?
1: <laughs> it's funny too. Uh, the community in San Francisco has changed so much that, It used to be a huge hub for vintage. And a lot of those people, those creatives that were drawn to it, they can't afford to live here anymore. So they don't live in the Bay Area. Um, And so you've got this young tech money market that totally monopolizes San Francisco. So most of the events I do are in the city here. And you've got a lot of people that don't know what vintage is. So they Mm -hmm. ask you, like, is. Is a thrift, are you a thrift store? Like, what yes. is the thing? There's nothing that, that feels worse <laughs> when you've spent Aww. so much of your time I curating know. things for someone to not understand. But, yeah. um, but really it's a, the people that like vintage that will buy vintage that understand vintage They're it's still a huge market. It's just, they're not as they're not here as much as they once were, which is sad. Um, but, right. but for those people, something that's slightly stained is like absolutely not no way never why is this for sale so yes. happy having, having to explain yourself um, to a 22 year old that makes six figures what a vintage t-shirt is is not really what I'm after no um, I don't blame so, you yeah so trying trying to solve those problems before they
0: arise yeah, no, that's awesome. Thank you for, you know, like I said, you did a much better job explaining it than I than I would have. <laughs> um, but I, I wanted to touch upon that because, you know, not only are you selling vintage, you're doing some other things, too. So yeah. um, I feel like there's probably a lot of moms out there listening. So I was wondering if maybe since you're a new mom, maybe you could touch upon some of the challenges you've seen arise since California's come into your life. <laughs>
1: You don't have Um, to go super in-depth, but if you have any advice or
0: tidbits, (laughs) I'm sure people would appreciate it. (laughs) Um,
1: First things first, happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Yes. Um, As a new mom, I did not really ever realize all the things that moms do every day for not just their children, but really for everyone. Um, It has been quite a transition from being a uh, a childless woman into a into a mother you mm-hmm. really your time is so monopolized by your kid you have to really set aside the time and figure out the childcare and and make the time to work because something like vintage is like it's never a 9 to 5
0: no, it's buying it's
1: trips it's laundering it's mending it's you know events when you can do them, and so you don't really have the same lifestyle, so implementing that structure is has been really key for me um and then I think the other thing for moms too is when you have a young baby, my daughter's almost eight months um, you feel this guilt that you should really be with your kid and not doing the other things that mm-hmm. you love and that make you happy so I think mm-hmm. that if you're happy, your baby's gonna be happy. So whatever does it for you, if you're lucky enough to love what you do, then make sure that you do that because that's gonna enhance your kids' life. Um, yeah. no nobody can be full-time perfect mom. We were people before we're mothers and um were people even when we're mothers. So it's important to prioritize yourself and um my work feels really key to my identity as well. If I'm not working and I'm not doing the things that I love that I feel good at, um, that messes with you too in other ways. So I think one, getting out of your head and, and not feeling like you're a bad mom if you're having someone else take care of your kid um, so that you can do things. Mm-hmm. One, to make money. That's, you know, the big reason that we work. But then also yeah. to feel that confidence that you're still able to like don't have that 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 part of
0: yourself, you know, like you said, that's part of your identity. And when you lose that, that's, you know,
1: that can be traumatic,
0: I think, you know, everybody handles it differently, but, um, I like for you, I mean, I know you well enough. Like, I can't imagine you not doing what you do, you know what I mean? Like, it just wouldn't seem like you, and I know you're still in the process of figuring out how do I make this work? Who's going to watch her? How am I going to do this? You know, that's going to be, I feel like for you, it's going to be a learning process and it'll be hit or miss, but you're, you're actively trying to make an effort on both ends. And I, I think that's really great. Thank you. Thank you. Um, well, thank you for that, that advice. I think it was very well spoken. Um, now in terms of advice, do you have any advice that anybody's ever given you that you think is worth sharing? Could be about anything, but if it's anything maybe career related or fashion related, vintage related, anything like that.
1: Um, The best
0: advice that I
1: have been given by my, well, my first fashion mentor, her name's Jamie Waxman. She's a stylist in New York. Um Okay amazing woman. Um, She really taught me the power of authenticity, and that you're unique as you are, and that trying to be like someone else and trying to replicate someone else's style um, is never going to come off correctly. That it's better to be you, whether that's your personality, what you put together in terms of clothing, the life that you live, if you're trying to do it for someone else, it's never going to work out. Mm-hmm. And it's, there's no longevity in that. Um, so she was really a big advocate to me about supporting me to be this California girl that didn't fit in, in this big city. And that, and showing me that that was kind of my power and my uniqueness there. And oh, I, really I think love for, that. I think for everybody, especially when you're younger, it's this idea of wanting to fit in, that feels like that's how Mm -hmm. you're going to be accepted. And so for me, the, one of the biggest powers in fashion is that it's the idea of sticking out and doing something unique and that that's where the power is and not falling in line. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, But other than that, uh, work hard, play hard was always my 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 tried and true motto. <laughs> now mom works hard and wants to sleep hard. So it's a
0: little bit different yes. times. Callow wants to play hard. <laughs> <And> Callow <laughs>
1: plays very hard.
0: <laughs> no, those are both really good. Thank you. Thank you for sharing them. Um, so just two little last things. Um, So lately I've been doing my obsession at the moment, um, at the beginning of the shows. Is there anything that you're obsessed with at the moment that you'd like to share? It could be anything. It could be a candy bar. Yes, 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 yes. Um, I recently got
1: into, um, this is unfashion related, but it's like in the beauty world. So I guess the two are kind of friends. Oh yeah. um, I've a friend of mine, owns this company called Monastery and it's all oil-based beautiful skincare products and she makes this product it's an it's an oil cleanser so this idea that always seemed so strange to me but now makes perfect sense of using oil to remove dirt from well it's
0: yeah it's totally counterintuitive and I feel like a lot of people are like no that doesn't make sense but yeah it works (laughs) That's been my, that's been my current,
1: um, obsession is. Are they online? Is it something
0: people can find online?
1: People can find it online. It's called Monastery. Monastery. Um, I love that name. Yeah. She, I think, um, I think the name comes from like the idea of like pure purity and cleanliness and like, what's the cleanest, most pure place in your mind. I think for her, that was a monastery.
0: Nice. I love that. Cool. Well, thank you. I'm I'm like glad I'm not sharing an obsession for once. I like hearing other people. <laughs> <We both. laughs> so um, before we end, I just wanted to f- just well and I'll put this in the show notes as well for people. But um, where can they find you online?
1: Mm, they can find me online at com. Okay, so that's your
0: website. I,
1: that's my website. I am not great at updating my website. Um, I'm not great at. S- being in front of a computer in general, um, it's a lot, it's a lot, it's a lot of work. Um, but they can also find me on Instagram at, at born to, born to Rome vintage, uh, with underscores in between.
0: Okay. And then are you doing any events?
1: Um, I am doing West Coast craft the first weekend in June at Fort Mason center in San Francisco. And then they can also find me. I stock, uh, vintage at my favorite store in San Francisco it's called the Parish Trust on Divisidero. um and so they they get like the the dopest assortment of like really good workwear and overalls and coveralls and textiles. Okay San
0: Francisco and... listeners you get up there get on <laughs> it, it now it, you're it, giving them all the all the information <laughs> they need.
1: If you haven't been there go it's it's amazing. It's right next door to the mill. Great coffee, great bread. You can't lose on that oh, block. I
0: can't. No, I can't go wrong with great bread. <laughs> no,
1: no way, never. Are
0: there any other stores that you stock in that area?
1: I used to put some racks in Frida Salvador. Um, two amazing ladies that oh, run a really rad shoe company. I know so you're a fan good. as well. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but I really oh, they doing been... an online
0: sample sale. Did you see that?
1: I got the email and I haven't opened it because I just I, I oh. have a
0: problem. I know? set a reminder on my phone.
1: <laughs> it's worth it. I mean I oh. I think I treat myself to one pair of shoes a year and um and they're amazing. They last forever. They break in beautifully. They work with everything. Yes. Um,
0: very well made.
1: And woman run they're they're yes. both moms. Big fans. <laughs>
0: Nice. Okay. Well, girl, thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. It of was course. great. Great talking. Is there anything else you wanted to add that you feel like I forgot? <laughs> um or anything you wanted to share with the listeners that I may have looked over. I feel like we covered a lot. We did cover a lot. We
1: went for it. Um no, I mean I think for listeners in general, I know that this is mostly a vintage fan base. So um, I just want to push the idea that vintage and consignment and used and thrift like that is where we should be purchasing our clothing yes. because the world is in crisis and we fashion is one of the biggest problems out there, and fast fashion is the biggest problem. Yeah. Um, so and-
0: detrimental to ev- so many different aspects, but yeah, totally. Totally, Absolutely. I think that's very worth mentioning. Um, and I think I've talked about it on a few different episodes. And last night I posted, like, you know, this like fact from Forbes about, you know, um, polyester and the decomposition time is just—it's absurd. And you know, yeah. like so many clothes are either poly or poly blend these days. So, yeah it's that's it's hard it's hard to yeah. think about but we're we're doing our part and absolutely. i think it's important to just raise awareness and make sure that people do their part in some way shape or form too so absolutely i'm all right girl well thank you uh um, guys i'm gonna i'm gonna sign off now so until next time stay safe and don't be basic bye